This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 10th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL media analyst Bucky Brooks. John Osher out this week. He'll be back with us next time on the Huddle Up Podcast. And we have a whole lot to get to today. Urban Meyer speaks. It is full recruiting mode right now for the Jags head coach. We'll get into some of his comments. Cam Robinson franchise tagged by the Jags at left tackle. What does that mean for the future? The NFL hot stove, if you will, is on. It's here in a big way. A lot of big moves a week before free agency. We'll get into the prospect position group top five rankings for Bucky Brooks this week. It's wide receivers as we recycle the article from NFL.com and a couple of social media questions. So we have a lot going on today. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. And you're probably saying to yourself, self, I already am because I'm listening to this, but <laughs> you know what? Tell somebody else about it. Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us the five-star rating. Bucky, good morning. What a few <laughs> days it's been. Hey man, it's been an exciting time. And I think to take the, the cue from Urban Meyer, he said the next month, is going to be an extraordinary opportunity for the Jaguars to kind of reshape and remake who they are. And I kind of feel that excitement. I, I believe as we're look, we're coming off the, the franchise tag deadline, getting ready for free agency, the draft is a little more than a month away. There's a lot to be optimistic and excited about. And so can't wait to see how these dominoes kind of stack up. Well, we'll get to some of Urban's comments coming up. But, um, you know, the other day I went on uh, Amazon I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I went on Amazon and and bought the Urban Meyer above the line. Oh, yeah. So I'm all about the above the line or below the line. You can't live life below the line. You got to have that. You did 1080 10. We got BCD going on up here. I mean, I'm all into it. And then Urban talks to the media on Tuesday and it's like full go time now here in Jacksonville. It feels like. See, you know what you got? You got book on tape. See, like basically you read the book, but then you got the book on tape again as a refresher, a refresher course or whatever. And because you were so diligent in doing your research before you talked to him and stuff like that, like you were able to ask those good questions to get it out. And so now I feel like I need to make sure that I always take myself above the line because I'm with the mighty J.P. Shadrick, who is always, always above the line when it comes to being elite, because I want to be elite. We want to be an elite tandem and when john is there an elite trio so you know how it works above the line it's important to uh, start your day every day above the line and maintain that it will always be you know detractors people trying to get you below the line stay yes. above yes. the line let's hear from urban meyer speaking with the media tuesday and hey free agency's coming up it's a week away the draft is what coming up a month and a month and a half away from now what does this team have already and what do they need? You always start at the quarterback position. Obviously, Gardner was a guy that had uh, some, uh, some success early here. I've spent a little bit of time with him, not a lot of time with him, but you always start at the quarterback position. And we have the number one pick. There's a lot of speculation out there that, you know, that will be the first pick. So the number one is just making sure we have exactly the quarterback room exactly the way we want it. Uh, from there, you look at a defense that really struggled in a lot of areas. And I always believe you start you build your team, build your team around the defensive line, and then you move backwards. And so that's what we're going to do. So our defensive line 
you know, we feel good about a, a, a few of our players are pretty good. I just don't want to go into names right now. I don't think that's fair to the players. But defensive line will be solidified first, and then we move to the back of the defense. And our defensive secondary needs to be uh, revamped at a few spots. Offensively, we're you know I think we have some really good receivers. Uh, we're 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 not done with that room, however. You know, I just think if you've covered our teams over the years, I just the need for speed, the the big play opportunity was not with the Jaguars last year, and we're gonna we're searching for the big play hit at the receiver position. Running back James, we feel pretty good about him. You know, he had a good year, so we want to build a room uh, with him being an integral part of it. The tight end room, you know, uh, that's a room that's gonna have to be rebuilt in some ways. So, and the offense line, you know, especially the interior of the line, I feel really good about them. You know, Norwell, Linder, and uh, AJ. Those guys are good uh, on our right tackle. I feel like his future is ahead of them, too. So the offensive line, if we can keep, they should be better than a year. Uh, uh, I, I'm ex- the expectation is the offensive line will be much better next year. Okay, so quarterback, obviously, number one is the, the big priority for him. Uh, defensive line wants to build that defense from the line and then move back from there. Those are the two big takeaways. Wide receiver, he wants playmakers on offense. And you know what? So do I, Bucky. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's fun to really hear him talk about it because I, I, I do believe coming from the college game, he brings a unique perspective, right? And because he's been so uh, successful winning at a bunch of different stops a few different ways, you know, I, I'm just curious about his football philosophy. And so a couple of things that he mentioned make sense. One, the quarterback, because the NFL game is all about the quarterback. You have to have a franchise quarterback, a marquee quarterback that can give the team to the winner's circle in whatever style that looks like. But then when he talks about building the team defensively from front to back, I think it goes with what we've always talked about of what we've always heard. You got to win in the trenches and you have to have a playmaker. Well, defensively, we sat here week after week and watched the team struggle stopping the run and struggle being unable to get to the quarterback. And it's very apparent that you can't allow that to happen. If you want to be an elite team, you have to be dominant at the line of scrimmage. So that's big bodies inside, stopping the run, elite playmakers getting after the passer. And so that's where it starts because the better your front end is, the lesser you need your back end to be because the front end affects the back end far more than the back end affects the front end, meaning stopping the run, rushing the passer, that's far more critical than being able to cover guys on the outside because the quarterback can't complete passes if he's on his back. Jalen wouldn't agree with that. I remember a few years ago, if you, depending on who you ask in the defense, they might have a different perspective of that. Absolutely. And in, in, in a perfect world, and I wonder when we go back and we talk about it, in a perfect world, I think there you have to have 10 to 12 blue chip players to be able to be a, a championship team. And if we think about it from the defensive standpoint, you need two pass rushers, either two outside guys or inside and outside guy. You need three defensive playmakers and a special Mm -hmm. guy. So those defensive playmakers, two guys ideally you would like to have at the second level, your linebackers being able to make plays, a corner and a safety. So that'll give you six on defense. On offense, it's always the same. It's quarterback. um, Ideally, it's a running back. It's three offensive linemen and then one wide receiver, someone that can make plays in the passing game. That's typically how it goes down. But I'm so curious to see how Coach Meyer views the team right now and where he attempts to fill in the gaps to make sure that they have 
10 to 12 blue chip players to eventually get to a competitive championship level. Let's hear again from Jaguars head coach, Urban Meyer. Free agency is fairly new to him. Obviously he's new to the NFL. Recruiting is not. How different is it? And how do they rank in research for free agency moving ahead? You know, just the way people do your business, you have great respect for the ones that dive deep. You know, it's, it's not recruiting and I, I understand the difference, but Free agency to me is a labor intensive proposition. That means that the hardest working, the deepest digging staffs, a lot like recruiting, uh, they get the best players. And so uh, to answer your question, I will defer quite a bit to Trent and he's hired an excellent staff, but our coaches have done a deep dive in every one of these. They ultimately, you're going to hear the term power the unit. Uh, I've used that at Florida and also Ohio State. Ultimately, the tight end coach is responsible for who walks in that room. And he's going to utilize every resource. And that's called scouts. That's called scouting directors. That's called a general manager. It's called a head coach and coordinator. And they're going to do a deep dive. It's also called Zoom calls and finding out as much as he can about that person walking in his, his unit room. So that's the way we go about a business. Ultimately, it's position coach is going to have a heavy hand on who comes in there. Yet Trent and his staff, obviously, are the number one resource we use. There was a reason, I think I tweeted this right after the, the press conference or during, that it makes sense that Urban has an experienced NFL GM with him, not just somebody doing it for the first time because of all the business behind football, the, the contracts and the tagging, and then just the knowledge of the NFL and players in it, him and his personnel staff is important. But Urban also made the point again, as we just heard, that he's going to lean on those assistant coaches. They are the ones that have to determine who they want to work with in their respective meeting rooms. And I found that he reiterated that again, he said that before, but here we go. We're a week away from getting new players in and those guys and their recommendations are huge. Yeah. I think that's different. That's almost a little bit more of a collegiate approach because that's a recruiting model. When you're the position coach, you recruit, you see the guys that you're recruiting at that position. You want to make sure they're great fits free agency in the national football league typically doesn't, fully operate like that. Like, yes, the position coach has a say, but it's about the head coach's vision, the general manager, ownership, and all of those things. This naturally was going to be more of a coach-driven deal when it comes to the way this team is constructed because the, the person with the power is the coach. I wonder how they're going to bridge that. I wonder how those tough conversations are going to happen in free agency when you have assistant coaches that may like a certain player, the general manager and the scouting staff may like a different player, what are the processes for them getting to a middle ground? How do they break the ties when it comes to the coaches and the scouts if there's a disagreement on a marquee free agent? And that can happen frequently, right? I mean, mm -hmm. everybody has a different idea of what, what's good and what's not as good. Yeah, and, and, and some of it would be those first initial meetings when you had Urban and the personnel staff and everyone sitting in the room and Urban talking about his vision for the team. And I would like to think that they went through this position by position. Here's the kind of playmaker that I want at wide receiver. Here's the kind of running back. This is what I want the offensive line to look like. Defensively, interior players look like this. Outside players look like this. My linebackers, I want them to move. Corners, safety, scheme, how it all fits. And hopefully they've been able to clear all that out, get on the same page. And when they've stacked the free agent board, they have a clear understanding of what they want and how they want those names to come off the board. I have a feeling I know who will break any deadlocks. <laughs> I, am, I am very sure that it won't be a game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> no. um, I, I think we, we understand who's ultimately going to swing the hammer. But you would like 
this is important. You would like them to be able, meaning Trent Baalke and Urban Meyer, to be able to have hard conversations where they can have disagreement. You don't want mm -hmm. the general manager always nod his head and say, yes, yes, whatever you want, coach. You also don't want the coach to say, yes, whatever you want, general manager. You want there to be a little friction at times and then to have a way of coming to an agreement to make sure they make the best decision for the franchise. That's what he said in his book. He doesn't want yes men all around him all the time. He needs, you know, he needs to know what's yeah. really going on. It makes sense. Yes. Yes. He wants some truth tellers. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth again, Urban Meyer. And he was asked yesterday, is it allowed to give playbooks or part of the playbooks to prospects, including Trevor Lawrence. We're doing that with several positions and, and more than one quarterback. We're, 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 you are allowed to do that. You know, in the old days you did that. I sat in them when I was a coach in college, you sit in those meetings and you learn a lot. You learn a lot about the team that's doing the uh, evaluation, how thorough they are. And then you obviously learn a lot about the players. So yes, we have done that and you are allowed to do that. And not just the quarterback position. We're going to do that with other positions. That's essential to, to find out the, the first of all, where you're, where you're, what's your starting point of the football acumen, and then, you know, how are they at learning? And that, there's only one way. All right. So I, I'm going to guess, Bucky. Well, they're still building the playbook, first of all. But mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to give every prospect, which is not just Trevor. There's other quarterbacks that are doing mm -hmm. this to other position groups, as we just heard Urban say there. You're not going to give the entire playbook to some of these guys, but I'm sure it's got to be just a piece of it to see how they interpret some things. Yeah, normally when we uh, get down to it and we're in the process where you're having these Zoom meetings with prospects and particularly with quarterbacks, you do want to check their retention, their comprehension, their ability to, to take things that you may have taught them in Zoom meeting one and can they retain it, spit it back, understand it, and build upon it in Zoom meeting two? I would anticipate, given that we are presuming that Trevor is going to be the pick, I think Trevor's playbook might be a little bigger than some of his counterparts when it comes to the Zoom meetings. I believe that, uh, much like Cincinnati did with Joe Burrow, they started the process of installation. They begin with a base framework of, here are the core plays that we would like to build upon. What are some of the things that you like from Clemson? And they begin to have that cooperation and that discussion so that Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Belville can look at Clemson Tate and begin to look at some of the concepts that Trevor Lawrence feels really strongly about. Trevor Lawrence can maybe begin to look at some of the Jaguars tape and understand some of those things. And so you can accelerate the process when they are able to get together in person, whether that's during mini camps or OTAs, even though Trevor may not be cleared to participate in those things, but they can have those conversations and begin to the process of building this offense and building the master plan for how this offense will look. That sound that fascinating. I'd never really thought about it like that. You know, you send parts of your playbook. Oh, I, yes. That makes sense. Yes. Yes. You have to, you have to have, you want to quiz guys on what they know. You also not necessarily, you want to hold it against them. You're trying to assess, okay, where is their football aptitude at yeah. right now? How much can they take in when it comes to giving them a lot of information? Do we need to teach these guys differently? Are there different things? Because every player is unique and different. And so it's almost like being a teacher in high school. You, you kind of have to teach them where they're at. And because I would anticipate this team being fairly young, as you're flipping over the roster and changing the culture, you want to tap into some of those old college 
tactics and methods to make sure that you get guys ready to play. Some guys might uh, take a, a different approach to mm-hmm. learning or teaching than, than others. So you just got to find that out. And this is a good time to do that. Final thought coming up on Urban Meyer's comments yesterday, and it's the offensive line. And we had heard that he likes the offensive line. Obviously, he kept the offensive line coach George Warhop around mm-hmm. on his staff. But now it feels like the entire starting five could be intact next year, including Cam Robinson getting the franchise tag. He said that he has a high ceiling and he wants him to be a Jaguar for a while. They, they feel like, at least he said yesterday, Urban did, that they'd like to have him for a number of years. So that would be a new deal at some point. He also said it's a, a tough year to find left tackle, free agency, all that mm-hmm. stuff going on. What did you make of the Cam Robinson tag? Bucky. Well, I think I think we talked about it last week that this might be an opportunity for them to do a, a, a one-year run mm-hmm. with Cam Robinson to see what he looks like, see how he performs in the system, and then make a decision next offseason whether he is a long-term solution at the position. I think this, when you're Coach Meyer and you're coming in, you want to be able to have success on one side of the ball because you're trying to think, let's just be optimistic. He would never say this, but I, I'll say it. We would say that it's a fairly successful season if the Jags are able to get six, seven wins the first season. Well, the easiest way to do that is to identify which side of the ball can get us that quickly. Well, when you look at the offense, the offensive line is intact. They played pretty well when they were able to get the game on their terms. You have James Robinson, a running back who's coming off a pretty successful rookie season. You look outside, you have DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. There are some pieces in play. You drop the young quarterback in. Maybe you get a tight end. Maybe this is an offense that can put up anywhere from 24 to 28 points. You play decent enough on defense. Now you get some wins. You're able to build some confidence. And so I think it might be part of a strategy. How can we get some confidence by winning some games? So next season, we then can begin to build a team that looks like a playoff contender. Another part of the offensive line that was in the news this week is Andrew Norwell, left guard. There was a report that the Jags had uh, asked him to take a pay cut and then they might deal him. But then Urban Meyer on Tuesday said he loves the guy. He's one of my favorite players I've ever coached. And he's a guy that was an underdog when we got there to Ohio State, became you know, the offense line at Ohio State was one of the worst in the Big Ten and became the best in the Big Ten. He was a big part of it. I was not surprised to see him get a high free agency contract because he's a grinder, he's a worker, he's a team guy, he's a locker room guy. So I see him being part of the Jaguars, and I want him to be a part of the Jaguars. He's, uh, you know, for me personally, I love the guy I just because I know him better than most. All right, so it seems contrary to those reports earlier in the week. Uh, it's one of the one of the best players he's coached in college football. He likes what he's done and it feels like he's going to be around too after those comments. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe it. When, when you hear the comments and you hear how he talks about Andrew, he, he certainly likes him as a player and bringing back the starting five and being able to have a level of continuity up front because it's very important because remember, you're potentially playing with a rookie quarterback who has never taken a snap in an NFL game. You want to be able to take some of the pressure off of him, particularly early. So maybe because of Daryl Belva's experience with Russell Wilson in Seattle, what are some of the things that they might have done to help Russell play? Do you let the center and the line handle the protection calls and the checks and those things? So now Trevor can just take the snap and play because there's a lot at play. Maybe we don't ask him to be the machine of Peyton Manning and do all of the stuff early. 
how can we make it as easy as possible for Trevor Lawrence or whoever the rookie quarterback potentially could be to have immediate success? Let's let him play. I think we've heard him talk about this. I want him to play fast. I don't want him to think. I want him to be relentless and aggressive and all those things. The way that you do it is ask him to do fewer things, not more things. What's the old line from Bull Durham? Don't think. It could only hurt the ball club. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't mean, want him thinking. I want him playing. I want him playing. I want him play. playing fast. Let's throw strikes. Hey, let's make it as easy <laughs> as we can for him. Let's get him going so they can they can get after it. So there you have it, the recap of the Urban Meyer Media Conference Tuesday, the full coverage, including archives of the conference and John Osier's coverage of it available on the official team website, jaguars.com. This is the Huddle Up Podcast, J.P. Shadrick with Bucky Brooks. Osher will be back with us next time around. And the NFL hot stove is here. That's a, speaking. That's another baseball term. They use that around the winter <laughs> meetings. Uh, as all the trades in the free agency in December for baseball. Well, we're, it's the equivalent now because everything is really heating up going into the 2021 league year. Most notably this week, Dak Prescott got paid mm. a $66 million signing bonus, a $9 million base salary, fully guaranteed $75 million in year one, a record mm. one year payout. And just think Bucky, if Dallas would have done this two years ago, they wouldn't have had to pay this much. No, with quarterbacks, it's always better to pay them early rather than to wait. And even though it's blown up for a couple of teams, the Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles in particular, when you think about Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz and the amount of money they've had to eat, man, the cost, the sticker, the sticker shock of Dak Prescott's deal is really crushing you. But I think of it this way when I'm looking at the Cowboys, good thing cash is king. Because to be able to pay out $66 million when Dak Prescott signs his name and to give him $75 million in year one, I mean, it, it, it makes you pause and take a deep breath to just even think about that. Because I, I don't know about you, JP, but I'm one of those guys that does the mobile banking. Can you imagine what that direct deposit looks like when it comes across the screen? Can you imagine waking up and it goes, zoop? Wow. I think I'll go buy a car today. I can do whatever I want today. That's incredible. I can't imagine. No. I can't imagine how excited I get when I see a, a $300 deposit. I cannot imagine I can't what ima it would look like. like. Why are they waiting till Wednesday to like sign the I would be on the first <laughs> net jet to Dallas. I don't know where he lives, but I'm going today. Fax it to me. Whatever, if they do that anymore. I'll sign it oh. digitally and send it oh. back to today. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, so there are a lot of things at play as it relates to Jackson and what this will mean. I think when you see a team sign this kind of deal, particularly in the pandemic with a flat cap or cap that has been reduced, it means the TV money is eventually going to kick in. And when the TV money kicks in, that is going to reset the salary cap space and the amount of money that's allotted for the players. And so even though we're very excited about the Jaguar salary cap space now, imagine if they – Maybe they don't spend it all. They don't, they don't let the money burn a hole in their pocket. Mm. But they save a little bit for the caps that are coming next year and the mm. year beyond. Mm -hmm. Maybe they can be players for three years in terms mm. of being able to acquire big-time talent. Well, maybe, just maybe, Trent Baalke will get asked something like that in the press conference today. He speaks at noon coming up, and we'll try to get in his head a little bit. Uh, by the way, Dak will be at the latest – 
when he's back on the market, he'll be 31 years old. Ooh. How about that? 30, Ready how about that? Another deal. Look, 31 years old, but not only that, JP, and he's going to make 126 million guaranteed. Like 126 guaranteed, and it's guaranteed next league year. Like the third day is guaranteed against injury protections or whatever. And so everyone went crazy over Pat Mahomes' deal. He makes more money in Pat Mahomes in his three years or four years. And then he goes back. He goes back to the to the market again. He wins. I think there's a lesson to be learned. There's a lesson to be learned. Like we we certainly hope that Jacksonville has a player that is worthy of the money, but hey, pay him sooner. Pay him sooner rather than later because it only goes up and never comes down, especially at the quarterback position. A few other names in the news this week around the NFL. Leonard Williams, Giants defensive lineman. Mm. The uh, Giants are going to franchise tag him. He was a guy we were thinking might Ready. get away. I know. Already had him sized up in teal. Was <laughs> thinking about, hey, Jimmy Lutz getting his number ready. <laughs> uh, Name plate ready to go. We got to wipe that off. You know, so disappointing. He's, he's unavailable. Yeah. Allen Robinson tagged wide receiver yeah, for the man. Bears. Thought, we were hoping for a reunion of sorts. No, I thought, thought he was going to be. I thought they were going to let him out the building because I mean, Chicago is the, the graveyard. It's where wide receivers go to die. And there he is. He's back in the graveyard for another for another year. I thought they were going to let him out the building. Man, uh, and then Isaiah Wilson traded from the Titans to the Dolphins after one season. What's his deal? He can't get right. JP, he is, man, he is like the, the poster child for all the things that you don't want your number one pick to do. Very distracted by the trappings of the NFL lifestyle. We can hope that maybe he can go to Miami and, and, and fix it. But think of it this way. We always get excited over first round picks and those things. One year after drafting him in the first round, the only thing they can get back, swapping seventh round picks. You talk wow. about a man a lemon if this was off the car lot like man you are sold a bill of goods like that is a tremendous depreciation on a first round asset after one year one year incredible incredible stuff there there you have it a look around uh, the hot stove a lot a lot more going on than that but um just a few notables there and welcome to a new era of jaguars football the reload has begun with head coach urban meyer don't miss out on the best seats before they're gone. Lock in your tickets for the 2021 season. Place a deposit at jaguars.com. And as I as we record this podcast, Bucky, I'm sitting in the press box looking out at TIAA Bank Field beyond. And the, the sun is rising. We've got beautiful teal seats everywhere. And I feel like they're going to be packed this year. I like that. Oh, I do like it. There's so much excitement and buzz around the team this year. And then – all of the new things that we're talking about, new coach and Urban Meyer, there's going to be a new franchise quarterback likely in the building, a return to Teal. Teal is now primary. True. A lot of excitement, a lot of excitement. And so can't wait to see them kind of collect the talent, free agency, do what they're going to do in the draft, and then see them run around on the field over the course of the summer. Hopefully we're able to do that. Uh, also, so give us a subscription or subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your pods and give us a comment and five stars. Let's move along now to the weekly recycling of Bucky's article on NFL.com, oh, the top five draft prospects by position. This is apparently version 1.0 
When's 2.0 come out on this? I mean, sometime. Who, who, who knows when? Have you when done that, it yet? That, that, you get, I haven't to, done what are it we yet. doing? I, just, I mean, the board is already done. Like, the hard part is done. Now it's just like, look at a different name and those things. But Move a couple guys around. Move a couple guys. Yeah, yeah, like, we're just tweaking now. But I think what's interesting, and rather than talk about one to five, let's talk about one, two, and three, because I think they're all together. Okay. Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle. Whatever order you want to have them, those are the three guys that you have to pay attention to. Mm. All of them bring different skills to the table. When I think about Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase kind of has a little bit of that Anquan Bolden-ish type to his game, meaning he's physical, he wins the 50-50 balls, aggressive with the ball in his hands, breaks a lot of tackles in space. Then you get the Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Waddle to me is the most electric of all the wide receivers in the draft because when he gets – his hands on the ball, that's when the magic happens. Like, he can take it the distance from anywhere. He has returnability. You can see him running reverses and bubble screens and all of those things. And it's uncommon to have two guys – well, I mean, unless you're Alabama, where you yeah, have two receivers. Say, speak going, for yourself, they, Bucky. They go, in the first, they go in the first round, and you're trying to debate who's 1A and 1B. The first part of the season, Jalen Waddell is 1A. Then he goes out, exit stage right. And lo and behold, Devonta Smith – decides that he wants to be the best wide receiver in all of college football, win all of the awards, the Bolitnikoff and the Heisman, and goes off. And when you look at him, 175 pounds, as he's generally generously listed in the media guide, but he does it, and he does it in fantastic fashion. Any of these guys can play and play at a high level at the next level. It's fascinating to, to think about that trio. So we're talking wide receivers, obviously. Jamar Chase opted out last year at LSU um, because of whatever. He was getting ready for the draft. But won the Bolitnikoff in 2019, but he just couldn't come out. He was too young. He was a true freshman yes. two years ago or three years ago now. And then after his sophomore, he had to play three years. So he wasn't available. Where would he have gone had he been eligible last year to go out? Man, he'd been right at the top. He'd have been right in that mix. I mean, you think about right all by those Justin receivers. Jefferson, all those guys. Yeah, like he, he he's up there. And, you know, like I, I – you know, it's funny because I had the conversation with uh, an old wide receiver coach who had been down there just kind of consulting with LSU. And he talked about he was so big on Justin Jefferson. And he said last year, like, everyone is looking at Jamar Chase, but I'm telling you, Justin Jefferson is the dude. And then I think about Jamar Chase and all the touchdowns that he was able to, you know, as many times he put the ball in the paint and Justin Jefferson having that immediate success. I do believe there are going to be some that look at Justin Jefferson and say, well, if he had this kind of success, what kind of sex would Jamar Chase have? And that's going to impact like the draft stuff. And because he didn't play and all this other stuff, he's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But yeah. we will quickly be reminded how good and how talented he is when he has a chance to step between the lines. Will there be some organizations that shy away from somebody like that who sat out an entire season? You know, I wonder, but this is such a different and unique circumstance. JP, we're talking about guys who didn't play their final season in 2020, but dominated in 2019. We're seeing guys who played not well in 2019, but dominated 2020. We're now getting prospects who are not running 40s because they say, well, you can get my GPS measurements (laughs) off the thing. Why do I need to go run? You, You already know what I play like in game. Right. It's a it's a unique set of circumstances for scouts. It's different. I don't know if it'll ever go back to the way it was, but it's a different time. And who knows? Good luck predicting this. You know how you see all these games where, hey, predict a pick and all that? I, I don't know how anybody can predict a pick this year because it's so subjective with all the different variables involved in this. 
I will say, um, we mentioned Jalen Waddle as well, Alabama. He injured his ankle in late October, of course, but then came back and fought his way back just to get on the field against Ohio State in the national championship game. And it just, I, I felt for him because he's just noticeably limping yeah. through that game. I felt like it was just a little too soon, but either he wanted to get back, Nick Saban wanted him to get back, a combination of both, to have an extra something to think about, I think, for Ohio State. But I, I like the fact that he pushed and tried to get out and play, at least. Well, I mean, it speaks to his toughness. Um, and toughness is really important. It's probably an underlooked, uh, underrated aspect of wide receiver. How tough are you? Not only just your physical toughness, but your mental toughness. Can you bounce back from drops? Can you bounce back? Or, or can you handle if you're good enough to get double team and the ball doesn't head your way for two, three quarters, but still can you perform in the fourth quarter? I think for Jalen Waddle, what I learned from watching him fight to get back in the championship game, man, he loves it. He loves it because there was no incentive outside of playing with his teammates. He was already going to be a first round pick. There was no real incentive for him to push it, to get back. It speaks volumes about how much he loves the game. And everybody wants those guys that are guys that love it, passionate about the game. Want They want to play. They want to see how they stack up against elite competitors. Bucky, I know you said uh, the top three guys, but if you get a phone call or text with a 251 area code, look out. It's probably Kadarius Tony because he's oh, fourth yeah. on your list and you didn't include him in your top three. So he went to Blunt High School in Mobile. Mm-hmm. You know, you said the top three, you know, where's Tony? Yeah. He's the next level. He's not quite those guys. He's, he's not quite those guys, but he is impactful. He is an impactful player. He is someone uh, you have to find a way to get the ball in his hands. And when we think of Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, two guys that are playing for the San Francisco 49ers right now, mm. Tony is in that category where you're just trying to figure out a way to get him the ball, get it to him, however you have to get it to him, reverses, screens, in the rounds, make sure he touches it enough where he can have an impact on the game. He'd be a terrific Jaguar. I'll, I'll just say that <laughs> because he, he, he can do some fantastic stuff. And I, and you just know Coach Meyer has always had those guys around, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, going all the way back. He's not in the same category as Percy Harvin, nope. but he loves having those guys that can do it in space. Keep an eye on Kadarius Talk. Yeah, Urban has said that Percy Harvin is probably the best overall player that he's coached in college football, with a nod to Tim Tebow, obviously. But Percy was the most explosive, and, and that is really difficult to find anybody like that. But I just wanted to make sure you didn't leave Tony off. Because, no, 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 no. you know, he's right there. And he, he is, can do he is right there. 251. I like how you bring up that mobile. Like, I get it. That's right. You've spent a night or two in Mobile. Oh, I spent more, many a night. Uh, many a night down there. Many, many a night down there. And, you know, um, I missed it this year because I didn't get a chance to get the Winchells. And Winchell's yeah, Winchell's Oyster House. Winchell's and, get, yeah, get all Oyster that. House. Get, 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 get my stuff, you know, get my, my, my field of fried food since I don't get as much out here. Like, I try and get all when I'm in that one week, and then they got to send me out. Because if not, I'm going to gorge myself on just – all kinds of po' boys and, and all of that. So, yeah, I know, I know Tony would be mad at me for not shouting them out. Well, now you have. Uh, so check out the list on NFL.com, the top five prospect rankings for each position group. And whenever 2.0 comes out, they might just yeah, shuffle we, we them around. We'll, yeah, we'll, shuffle we'll, out. we'll <laughs> get to that at some point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Huddle Up podcast rolls along. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Ozier out this week. He'll be back with us next week. And – we started this segment last week, and it went so well that we decided, you know what? 
Let's do it again. Let's yeah. put out the bat signal and go to social media and ask for some questions. And we got a few responses, but these are the ones that, you know, the, the cream rises to the top. So this is the cream. And let's start with Danton Thomas at Danton Thomas. After hearing the position groups that Urban believes he should focus on, how do you foresee acquisition of the defensive line, speed wide receiver, tight ends, and secondary? For instance, the tight end room would be free agency and draft for him. Mm -hmm. And the wide receiver would probably be draft heavy. What do you think of those? Yeah, I think he's in line. I would expect the defensive line to be a mix, but I, I think he wants some veterans that can play. If any elite top rated veterans came along, I think the Jaguars have to be in the conversation because you don't have time to wait on those young guys to get up to play. We sat and watched every Sunday, the young guys hoping that they could pop and make a play. So I would expect, veterans to come in that room free agency would be the answer speed receiver i think you can find so many wide receivers in the draft it's easier to find those guys i would look for the draft to be the vehicle that they lean on to get the speed receiver and when it comes to what was what was the other thing we had? let's see we got secondary we got secondary uh, yeah second secondary Secondary is an interesting one because yeah. – And Urban said there's a lot of work to come there too. They, they got to really do some work back there. Secondary, I think you can get some young guys at corner, even at safety. I think you have to supplement that though with a little – some veterans to kind of show those guys along the way. It's going to be more of a developmental program. I think about Chris Ash being back there, some of the stuff like they're trying to teach him. They're very familiar and comfortable – doing some of the stuff with young guys coming from the college ranks. I would expect it to skew more towards the draft and, and younger players, but I think you may get an older vet that will kind of come in there and maybe show those guys the way. Interesting stuff there. Thank you for the question. And by the way, while we're on the top, we mentioned tight ends. Are you, oh. a, Hunter, are you a Hunter Henry guy or are you a John o. Smith guy? Mm. They're both going to be available. Mm. Hunter Henry gives you a little different flavor. He's more of a traditional tight end, can block a little bit, can catch, make plays, and do that. Jonu Smith is a playmaker. I wonder for Urban if he wants more of a playmaker at the position, a seam runner, someone that can kind of get down the hashes and make plays. In the red zone, he scored 10 touchdowns the last two years in the red zone. No drops in the red zone either Ooh. per PFF. So, yeah. Yeah. so he's interesting. You know, Hunter Henry is more the traditional – I think if you got money to spend, I think you go Hunter Henry first. If you can't get that, then you look at John o. Smith. Uh, week two last year against the Jags, five targets, four catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns for John o. Smith in the uh, Titans win in Nashville, 33-30. I remember that. So there you go. Uh, uh, one final question from at Magic Fan Ben. Why are the Jags the only team using the tag on a non-Pro Bowl caliber player, ensuring continued subpar play at left tackle that has plagued this team for the past four years? Wow, that's, that's an aggressive question, Bucky. Very, but, very aggressive. Okay, what do you think? Why? You know, Cam doesn't have – he missed a year with an knee injury mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. was really not right the next year coming back until about, he said, November, December of that next season. So why now? I think we touched on it earlier. Yeah, prioritizing continuity. Uh, he might not be the best player of the position that's available, but it, it, it's a bit of a mix. Did you want to get into the big money sweepstakes, maybe that it would be necessary to get Trent Williams? Or do you feel better about Cam Robinson, the potential, with also an eye towards maybe at the bottom of the first round? Maybe you draft one. Maybe you draft another one. Oh. This is a one-year Oh. rental per se and mm. you, you get another one because this is a draft early 
in the rounds. There are plenty of offensive tackles that can start. So maybe they double up at the position by retaining Cam, but then eventually getting another guy who could be his replacement if it doesn't work out down the line. So Magic fan, Ben, I, I don't know. When was the last time you watched a Magic game, Bucky? I, Ooh, I, it's been a while. I couldn't I saw, tell you. I saw, their, I saw their G League team. I saw the G League team maybe on TV or whatever, but that's that's about it. I haven't. I couldn't tell you Stack who's on the team. Penny, Shaq and Penny. <laughs> it's been a while. When I was playing, when I was playing in Jacksonville, we used to go down there and and watch the games. That's when they were. Hey, that's when they, that's when they were really good. Like Shaq and Penny, Nick yeah. Anderson, Horace Shaq's Grant taking down goals. And yeah, the whole thing. All that. Grant, yes. I found my Shaq rookie card the other week. By the way, during the pandemic. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. It's not worth that? much though. It's not. That, that, it's that's not okay. Pristine. That's okay with skinny Shaq, not big Shaq that we see on TNT right now. But, hey, that was the last time. Maybe they'll bring it back. Maybe there'll just be a, a renaissance in Central Florida. Like, maybe. Like, ooh, yeah, see. the Bucks are good now, right? Jags. Everybody, Magic. Everybody just, just everything up that way. Dolphins yeah. to a time, right? Yeah. No, maybe, or maybe not, just bring, depending. Uh, just depends. <laughs> depends, you know? I mean, then you're going to have, I mean, let you tell it, one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class down there from, from Mac Jones, like oh yeah, that's my, right. My, my that's Mac right. Jones representing one of those area codes down there way, and he's know? from here. So yeah, see, there's a lot going on in professional sporting <laughs> here in Florida these days. Uh, there you have it. Thanks for the social media questions and the submissions. I hope we answered sufficiently. I know Bucky did at least. <laughs> uh, coming up this week, Trent Balky scheduled to meet with the media today at noon, and we'll get in his head about a week away from free agency, what he thinks about the tagging of Cam Robinson and what the uh, offensive line has done and, and some other of the moves that are likely ahead. The new league year, a week away, free agency starting on St. Patrick's Day. Happy early St. Patrick's Day. Bucky, it's uh, the 17th of March at 4 p.m. And uh, what do you have on NFL Network and NFL.com this week? Obviously not the position rankings volume two because you don't know when it's coming, but what else do you have? It's magic time. It's pro day season. So we Here have we go. two interesting pro days. Let's see. On Thursday, we have Clemson's pro day, but you know, without, it, without the star without, attraction, without, without the star attraction. <laughs> so Clemson's pro day is on Thursday. And then we have Texas also going that day. That day could be interesting because good safety, Caden Stearns have some outside pass rushers, some other guys. And then Friday, we get a chance to see Trey Lance, North Dakota state. Hmm. Throw the ball all over the yard a little bit. So it should be fun. Should is be he cool. doing his own? He's doing his own deal? He's doing his own. And he yeah. is he is the prospect that brought up, yeah, no, nah, I'm not running to 40. You got my GPS stuff. Like, we're going to throw it all over the yard. No need no need for me to get out here and do all the three-cone and stuff. You, you can get my my metrics in game action. Well, there you go. Uh, that's all coming up this week. I, all I know is that uh, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I'll throw. Come on, I'll, 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 I'll show up. Whatever you want me to do, do I'll do it. Whatever you want to do. 40 or 60 and 80, uh, whatever you want me to run. All right. Yeah, yeah, Trevor. We just want to put you in bubble wrap and make sure you make sure we get you get you here. Yeah, no doubt. But remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those other ones where you get your podcast. Give us five stars and a comment. Bucky, thank you very much. We will talk to you again next week. Oh, man, looking forward to it. It's always the best part of my week, JP. We get together to talk about the Jags. Jaguars football. Get ready. 2021. You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge here in Duval. And we'll see you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.